Hello, everyone. Welcome to Let Fear Bounce. This is your host, Kim Langling. I'm an author, freelance writer, and of course, podcast host, and so glad that you are joining us today. So grab your cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and listen in as we talk to my special guest, Marsha Moran. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to Let Fear Bounce. Today, I have with me the lovely Marsha Moran. Now, Marsha suffered a stroke in 2014, and the many struggles that came with her recovery, Marsha created Stroke Forward, how to become your own healthcare advocate one day at a time, because she felt that there was a need to share hope to stroke survivors and their caretakers. So I want to thank you, Marsha, for being with me today. And let's just dive right in. You had mentioned off mic that once you had your stroke, you were unable to speak. Could you please delve into that more for us? So I couldn't talk at all the first few days. Going forward, I could speak three or four words most of the time. Sometimes I couldn't speak them at all. Over time, I learned how to say words in a conversational level. And so if I I wasn't tired, I could speak. If I wasn't angry, I could speak. But it was really, I could say some words, but they weren't the words I really wanted to say. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It does. Now, um, I know in your your bio, I didn't read the entire thing, but it mentioned that you had aphasia. What, could you explain what that is to me? So aphasia is a speaking disorder and it comes in a few varieties mine was based on i could hear people and i could understand what they said to me but talking back to them was really hard or non-existence some people have aphasia and they can't hear what people say to them but they blurt out a lot of words. Unfortunately, the words they blurt out, other people don't understand what they say. It's a weird disease. So does that, did that come with the stroke or that's something that you had prior to? No, that came with a stroke. Oh, comes with the stroke. Okay. So 40% of people who have a stroke get aphasia too. Oh, does that stay with you then? So if you are not cured by three months, you probably have it for life. And so I wasn't cured by three months and I didn't like the having it for life thing. So I looked for a new option. (laughs) Wow. That's, that would be very traumatic to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't hear it. So I actually found it on the website. So nationalaphasia.com and the national aphasia association actually has uh, some uh, FAQs and I found it in the FAQs and I go, this doesn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> now I had a friend who had, and, and tell me, cause you're, you're very, you're very deep into this topic. Um, but I had a friend who actually had a traumatic brain injury. Oh, well, that's terrible. And he had, I mean, he, he's recovered from it. Not 100%, I would say mm-hmm. 85%, but during his time in the hospital, there were, and he was in the hospital for a very, very long time, there were several months where you knew he understood what we were saying to him, but he would answer with with words, but they had nothing to do with what we were saying. Yep. 
Is that is that common? Like you know something like that? Yeah. So like I said before, aphasia is a tricky kind of beast. So I could understand what people were saying to me, but I couldn't communicate back. Or sure. if I did, it was very small. So it could be that your friend understood what you said, but he had an ability to talk, but he couldn't, um, what he said was garbled. That, yeah, like, yeah. Like we had asked, a, I, I, I specifically rem remember, and the only reason I, this is the only thing I'm trying to compare to what you're saying, I had asked him, do you want me to move your wheelchair? Mm -hmm. And he said, just turn my pants backward. <laughs> so he had a different type of aphasia than I had, but it is a form of aphasia. Okay. All right. And I, I never, I had never known that word. Really? So I, I learned something today. <laughs> so you took it upon yourself because you said, no, this is not the way it's going to be. Give me, give me an example of how, how you started to move forward and you, you took things into your own hands and said, this is, this is not how my life's going to be. Well, I went to a chiropractor for laser therapy. And when I was, I had met with him once and had one treatment when I decided that I would go out jogging. I fell down, I dislocated my elbow. My husband took me to the hospital. They gave me morphine and suddenly I didn't have a face anymore. Oh. Okay, I'm, so I'm going, woohoo, I like this. <laughs> Give me more of this stuff and just going, uh, uh, no, honey, I don't think so. <laughs> So the morphine wore off, I got the aphasia back, but it told me that there's something out there that gets rid of aphasia. It's just, how do I find it? So after my elbow healed, I went back to this guy for laser therapy. And I noticed that day after day, it actually worked. About, um, it was at the middle of August when I, stopped making progress forward. So I went to him and I said, can you try anything else? And he went to other chiropractors. And when I came back the next time, he said he had a different therapy for me. And I will say that I'm grateful for what Dr. Parrott did for me, but it only got me like halfway there. So I still had aphasia. So when you say halfway there, did that mean that your aphasia, the, the symptoms were lessened? Yes, the symptoms were lessened, but I was still having problems. So when I went out for a job interview, well, when they called me for a job interview mm -hmm. and I picked up the phone, I said my name, they asked their first question and I said, nothing. That's when I realized that I could t speak at a conversational level now, but anything deeper, like during the job interview, I mm -hmm. couldn't say. I could think it, but I couldn't say it. That would be so incredibly frustrating. Yes, it was. <laughs> and how, how, long, how long did that last? So I had, I'm going to say aphasia for three and a half years. And at three and a half years, I met another chiropractor. Well, I actually knew him beforehand, but he started a new practice. 
where he got a neurofeedback machine. And he told me, I think you need to try this, Marsha. And I thought, okay, well, what is neurofeedback? So he gave me a website and I went home and I looked at all that it said. So it treats ADHD, anxiety, a whole bunch of systems, symptoms. And it also said something about stroke. And I thought, okay. So I looked a little deeper and it said 85% of brain injury survivors, traumatic brain injury survivors get better if they use this stuff. And I went, okay, now I'm really interested. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I went in to see Dr. Fuller and I said, sign me up because if I have an 85% chance of getting better, I'm going to take it. So neurofeedback, how, how does that work? Well, it's a machine that's about the size of two smartphones put together and it plugs into your computer and it has five electrodes that come out and they get attached to your head through um, a sticky, sticky substance. Mm -hmm. And it turns on, and sometimes when you hear neurofeedback, you think about people looking at the computer and saying, we want this ball to move this way or that way, or we want the screen to grow brighter. That is not what this neurofeedback is about. So it's microcurrent neurofeedback, and you are required to do nothing. You just sit there. And the device pings you with one 100 of a AAA battery. And it's so small, I couldn't feel it. But you see your brain waves going across the computer monitor. So you know that something is going on. Mm -hmm. So I didn't feel anything, but I felt euphoric when the session was done. And I went home and I noticed that day that I could speak a little better. I went, okay, that's really odd. 16 treatments and I speak like I do now. That's all it took. My goodness. Yep. That's amazing, actually. Yep. yep. Is, are the results typically like that or is this relatively new for stroke victims? So neurofeedback has been around for more than 15 years. I think the results will vary depending on each person. So 85% of traumatic brain injury survivors get better. It didn't say they get all the way better. So I don't know how much better they are. Mm -hmm. So it tells me that 15% of those uh, brain injury survivors don't get better. So there's a small margin of error. So for stroke victims, I would say you need to try it and see. And if it works for you, great. If it doesn't work for you, keep looking for something else. So you, as in your, in your bio, it states that you are, you know, you, you became your own personal advocate, healthcare advocate. And those are, those are the two, two of the things that you had mentioned. What else did you have to uh, take into your own hands to make sure, because that's just one aspect of it, correct? The, the aphasia? Right. I had speech 
occupational and physical therapy at the rehab hospital. And so I was at the rehab hospital for two weeks. I had home health care, the same three therapies for six weeks. I had two weeks off and then I had uh, about eight weeks in the hospital as an outpatient. When I was done, my insurance was over and I still felt odd off. I, I was really, I was walking like a crab. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. And so I went out and I found a physical therapist and she worked with me for a year. And when the year was over, I walked like a normal person looks, although I still have weakness in my right hand side and I had some pain, but I at least walk like I look normally now. I had a massage therapist for a couple of years I had, um, I went back for speech therapy um, my second year because I still had aphasia and they were trying to get me through it. So I will tell you that a speech therapist is necessary, but at a certain point you have to try something different if it's not getting you 100% better. Mm -hmm. Although I will tell you that I do speak uh, to people via the my computer. So you bet you go on different podcasts and, and do you provide presentations and things? Like I go groups. Exactly. So I'm actually going on a um, seminar next Wednesday. Um, and I'm really excited about it because that's how I get the word out. Absolutely. And you know, as, as bad as COVID has been and how it's disrupted the entire world, it's also opened the world up tremendously. Yep. yep, it has. You know, I, I've spoken to so many people, including yourself, that I probably wouldn't have connected with otherwise. Yeah. You know, it's, due, due to the strangeness of the world right now. It's a funny thing, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I mean, there, there's blessings in, in the midst of chaos. Yep, that's true. When, what is it, what are your goals and what's, what's, what's your plan now? that you're, you know, obviously feeling much, much better and you were planning on going out and, you know, hitting the road and public speaking and such. What, what are your, your plans and your goals for your mission of Stroke Forward? So I just began making an audiobook. So if 40% of stroke victims or stroke survivors can't read, then I need an audiobook. Absolutely. And I've decided that I'm going to do it. And I've actually started recording last week. I think that I also want to give stroke survivors hope. And for me, that will come through learning how to teach them grit. <laughs> because I think the only way I got out of I hate to say it hell, but it is kind of like hell mm -hmm. when you wake up and you can't move much. I think the only way I really got out of where I was is to be consistent. And I was really deliberate about working out every single day. And when I think about it, it all comes down to grit. 
So I think the thing to do is to teach people how to become grittier. I, that makes completely complete sense to me, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm going to ask you kind of a personal question because I, to me, you don't, if I were to look at you, you don't seem like someone that would typically be having a stroke. You always, at least in your mind, picture someone older. Yep. And you had this in 2014. How old were you at that time? 53. See, to me, that's pretty darn young to have a stroke. Yes. Yeah, so a lot of, so 35% of people have strokes under the age of 65. I did not know that. I did not know that either. <laughs> and you learned a lot, didn't you? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> oh my goodness. So you were 53 and then all these years later, you're, you know, you've got your, your, I'm calling it your mission stroke forward because yep. Sounds like that's your mission to get the word yeah. out to as many folks as possible, you know, yeah. about, and I love how you mentioned you want to give them hope and teach them grit and yeah. grit in, in any trauma type situation. If you don't have it, you're going to struggle. Yeah, you do. So I think that people who don't have grit stay at home and they, get worse instead of better. So I think if they learn how to work out every single day, whether it's speech therapy or occupational therapy or physical therapy or whatever, mm -hmm. they have to do their exercises every single day and they have to do them enough times for it to make a difference. So while you were in your recovery, and I understand the whole, the physical exercise and things like that. And as you were on your, your recovery journey, I've, I've known people that have had strokes or family members that have had them and they fell into a deep depression. Yep. Did you find yourself falling into depression? Was it a struggle to get out of it? No. So about one third of stroke survivors are depressed. And I can say that thankfully I was not. If I were depressed, I would be in a different place than I am now. Oh yeah, I can I can believe that because yeah. depression would probably be easy to sink into when, yeah. when it seems like your body's against you. Yeah. So you're very fortunate then. <laughs> I am, but you know, my husband had a lot to do with it, I think. So my husband was there for me every single day. He took care of me. He took care of the, everything. And that made such a huge difference. He didn't hold anything against me. Mm -hmm. I was just covered with love from my husband. I had good friends who covered me with love. I think if I had five different friends and a husband that was who's different, I would be a completely different person than I am today as well. Yeah, I believe that your support system and something like that is huge. Yeah. And, you know, if it's not a good one, you're right. You, you would not progress as you wanted to, even though you wanted to try so hard. That mm -hmm. support system really does, really does make a huge, huge difference. So what are your, what are your goals for yourself physically from today moving forward? Well, I'm still trying to figure out how to make the cramp that goes on in my right foot all day long. 
I'm trying to figure out how to make that go away. <laughs> <laughs> so is it like a, like a Charlie horse cramp? Uh, yeah. And it happens all day, every day. So if I could figure out the thing that would make that go away, that'd be really special for me. <laughs> <laughs> now, have you ever tried or did you get into anything? I know that you, um, you know, what you've already mentioned and what you've done and, and, and worked really well for you. And I'm it, quite honestly, I'm surprised that it was a chiropractor that got you in the right direction. Because it's uh, not yeah, anything it, I would have thought of, you know, I would have naturally not thought of a chiropractor. So it was two chiropractors. And the thing I thought about, so I've thought about them a lot. The thing that makes them different from my normal doctors is that they take a holistic approach. Mm -hmm. And so when you go in and you say, this is feeling weird, they don't just look at the, the arm or the leg or the joint or whatever. They look at the whole body and they think about how they can make the whole body work more succinctly together. Now, did you ever look into acupuncture or anything like that? Yes. So Dr. Fair, um, who told me about neurofeedback, I actually started seeing him in November of 2014 for acupuncture. And I found him through a friend of mine who said he looked at things a little bit differently. And I went, okay, <laughs> I'm not sure what to take of that. But he really does look at things differently. So when he looks at a new kind of therapy, he reads up on it. He actually goes to the place where they've got a device. He checks out what it means to him to have it, whatever it is that he's trying work on him. And if he likes it, then he'll try it out on his patients. But he, he's very careful about making sure that it's the right fit. So if he thinks it works a little bit funny, it's not for him. And I've I found I really like that kind of analysis. Oh, I, I do too. I, I, I do too. And unfortunately, you don't see that in, in all of the doctors. <laughs> no, you don't. Um, it just seems to me it's, you know, okay, you have this symptom here. Take this pill for it. Oh, that doesn't work very well. So when I had my pills, <laughs> when I re was released from the rehab hospital, they had me on uh, something for cholesterol. Well, I didn't have a cholesterol problem. I talked to my doctor and I said, look, there's no reason for me to take this. I'm not going to take it. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> right, right. And he said, I agree with you. This is not appropriate for you. So you need to be sure that the things that you're being given to take are actually appropriate for you. And it could have been that he'd have said, no, this is cholesterol medicine, but it also does this. And this is why I think you should take it. So you should talk to your doctor before you decide anything. Absolutely. I completely 100% agree on that. <laughs> I, I went through some uh, issues with my aunt. She's in her mid seventies mm -hmm. and um, diabetic. And mm -hmm. she ended up in the hospital and then in a uh, rehab for several weeks due to major complications with her diabetes. Oh my. 
he was over two hours away, so I couldn't be there constantly because I was working full time as well and had no time off. <laughs> right. When I would get there, it was very difficult to get with the doctors, very difficult. And she ended up having to come and, you know, move in with me for several months to continue her recovery. But when they sent her home, they had her on 14 medications. 14? 14 medications. And I said, okay, to my aunt, I said, all right, first off, I'm calling a pharmacist. And I want to see how all of these things interact and which ones are canceling each other out. Yep. There is no reason you should be on 14 medications. Yep. And I moved her here. She didn't have a doctor here. So it was, you know, it was a bumpy road trying to get her records from one state to here and find a new doctor and all of that. But when all was said and done, all those 14 medications that they sent her home on was knocked down to four. You've got to be kidding me. No. And I, I say that I used to work in um, senior, senior health care. Mm-hmm. And I'm so thankful that I did because that was one of the things that I would see with the adult children taking care of their senior parents, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, they're acting funny because they're over-medicated or they yeah. don't want to do anything because they're over-medicated. Please, please talk to your pharmacist and see yeah. if ones are working against each other, canceling each other out. And if anybody, you know, listening today, please keep that in mind. And I am sure, Marcia, that you went through the same thing of some sort on your journey. Um, yes. Well, the only thing I had that was, um, I shouldn't have is the cholesterol medicine, but I have had, I've been to a nutritionist. It's also Dr. Fuller. And so he took my blood work and he has put together a series of supplements that I should take. Mm -hmm. So for example, Fish oil. Okay. Most people know they should take fish oil, but I didn't take it <laughs> <laughs> because one, I don't like fish, <laughs> but it is, I actually am much more comfortable giving, getting these supplements. So I think it's a good idea to at least talk to a nutritionist or someone else who can look at who you are, what you're taking, what makes sense for you. And if you don't want to take anything, that's fine. I added the supplements and I'm better than I was before, I think. I, I take daily supplements. I have yeah. for years and I've noticed that if for whatever reason I'm rushing and one day I don't, because I take them in the morning, and if I, mm -hmm. if I don't get a chance to take them by lunchtime, I am so tired and draggy and just don't mm -hmm. feel great mm -hmm. so i'm like oh I, yeah i didn't have a chance to take my today. <laughs> and i think they're very important and i i i like how you mentioned that everybody that you know is going through some sort of medical treatment of some sort they need to see a nutritionist and i i don't recall my aunt ever being told to and she was in the hospital because of diabetes and it's so, amazing it yeah. is amazing <laughs> Amazing. Goodness gracious. Because you want to have quality of life. Of course. You know, to the to the best level that you can. Yep. And your journey's just been a your journey's been amazing and you've come so far. 
you, I mean, really have. I don't even know you at all, but I'm proud as heck of you. Um, you've come so far. Did did they ever did did they ever look into it, because at 53 why you had a stroke? No. So I had a carotid artery dissection, and one to two percent of stroke uh, survivors have it. So that's where the carotid artery breaks away. One of the three levels of um, your artery breaks away. It forms a clot and the clot breaks free. So they didn't know why I had a stroke. I don't know why. I mean, I can guess, but I don't know why. Mm -hmm. All I can say is it happened. I looked at it. I went, okay, this is not how I want to live my life. And I figured out a way that I could do better. And now you're on a mission to share your journey with others so they yeah. don't have to struggle so much. Yeah. It's amazing how much I had to find out on my own. It is amazing, but lately I'm not surprised to hear that. Just really? Simply because of what I've went through with um, family members that have had, you know, some pretty serious health issues. And it was me jumping in as the advocate, questioning, yep. saying, no, I don't think she needs this. And no, we're not taking that. Yep. <laughs> you have to be your own advocate or if you're unable to be, and I know it's, it's, it's the case for many, they don't have someone, but it's so much, it's so it's, it's such an easier ride to have someone be an advocate for you. Um, yep. and, you know, at least ask someone, hey, can you help me with this and look into this? And because it gets when you're you're the one that's ill, you're the one that doesn't feel well. It's very hard to think of all of those things to ask and to do. Yep. Well, and plus, so after a stroke, you have no short term memory. <laughs> so I could understand what people were saying when they were in the room. And as soon as they walked out the door, I didn't know what we talked about. So. I didn't even know where to become an advocate. It was my husband who realized that he had to step up and take ownership. So when it came time for me to start becoming my own advocate again, <laughs> mm -hmm. it was really tough for him to give it up. Um, and he still has moments <laughs> <laughs> where he's, there to help me. And I'm saying, no, I'm going to do it myself. And it's going, <laughs> <laughs> but you're very fortunate though. You're fortunate and blessed to have him as your partner. I truly am. Yeah. Because not all, unfortunately, not all folks have that. Um, especially if they're older, they might be a widow or something and they don't yeah. have anyone to be that, that strong advocate. So I think it's great that, um, you know, with your, with your program stroke forward, getting that out in whatever way it is that you can now, and now it's mostly virtual, um, but getting that out, you know, do you, do you give uh, presentations or anything to healthcare workers or home caregivers or anything like that? I have, um, I would be willing to do more. Um, so if anybody wants to contact me by a stroke forward, they certainly can. Yeah, I think that would be awesome. You're, I think that that would just be such a benefit, especially to um, like home health care agencies. Yep. You know, reach out to them and say, hey, I've got this program. I'd love to be able to, you know, 
give me an afternoon with your caregivers and let me give them some training or something. That could, that could just be huge for people. That's a great idea. Write that down. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think, and that's my first thought because I was in that realm for so many years. I was business development for in-home healthcare companies. And I met with the families and the adult children who were completely out of their element because mom and dad always took care of themselves. Yeah, that's interesting. So I will tell you that my rehab hospital told me that home health care workers were awash, like they really wouldn't do much for you. I'm going to tell you that that speech therapist who came to my home was phenomenal. She was absolutely the best speech therapist I've had. Oh, I, I know some amazing, amazing caregivers, right from just a companion caregiver all the way up to the therapists like you're talking about, occupational therapy, speech therapy, um, LPNs, RNs, CNAs. You know, granted, not all of them are wonderful, and some of the caregivers probably have a bit to be desired. They're very underpaid for what they have to take care of and do. I believe, but hey, to get them training Mm -hmm. with something like you have, if you you put a program together, that could only be a benefit. And that's something that you could really get across, you know, start, you know, you say you get into a couple local home health care companies, but you put that into an actual program that's, you know, digital and, and available online, you could reach the masses with that. That's a really good idea. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> then you should look more into it. <laughs> I don't know how many times when I'm talking to folks, I'll be like, hey, did you ever think of this? And it's funny because I've had the same people, you know, people will do that to me too. I'm so in my bubble of my own little thing. A lot of times I'm not looking outside of my own box. Right. You know, so you need, you know, someone outside of your box. So, hey, if that was a little spark I just gave you, set that on fire, Marsha. I see the fire burning. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to thank you so much for being with me today. This was just awesome. I enjoyed it tremendously. And I want to keep in touch, if you don't mind. Um, Absolutely. And if you start, if you start this program or get something going like this, please let me know because I would love to have you back on again and help you share the message on that. That would just be awesome. That would, I will do that. All right. Absolutely. All right. So let's keep in touch whenever shoot me an email and just say, Hey, how you doing? And then I'll say, how's that program coming? (laughs) That sounds perfect for me. All right. Wonderful. Thank you again so much for being with me. And I hope that you have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you very much, Kim. It's been a pleasure.